Welcome, Bridgepoint. I feel like you guys are really ready for church today. I feel like more of you are usually milling about still, and you're all just here and ready to go. So let's stand and worship God.
Wear a shirt, we're the target. at bridgepointgb.com. If you don't know that address yet, you're not paying attention. Bridgepointgb.com. And uh, you can sign up for whatever you want to do, whatever you want to bring, because we also need crackers and bread and all that other stuff too. So help us out. We've always had a great time at the shelter. And if you haven't served there yet, what are you waiting for? It's awesome. Right? It is awesome. It's awesome. It's a great opportunity, so it's a good chance to serve. Also, Operation Christmas Child. <laughs> Thanks, Sue. Is in, is in full swing. Uh, they're doing something all the time around here. So uh, check the list in your bulletin because there's an opportunity for you to serve and start getting things ready for the big day when we put all the boxes together and ship them out. And, and our goal is what? One more than last year. 611, that would be. 611, okay. All right, we'll try that. All right, children will be dismissed later in the service, so uh, kids just hang tight. Enjoy the music, enjoy the worship. There is no fifth and sixth grade class today, right? Oh, there is. I thought that was last week. And you were wrong. Oh, <laughs> we make this stuff up as we go sometimes, and... And you just come along for the ride. So there is a fifth and sixth grade class. All right, great. All right, let's worship the Lord together. Our next song is very Eastery. You'll probably remember it from Easter. But as I was thinking about what we were going to sing this week, I thought, as Christians, we celebrate what Jesus did all year. Um, so that's why we're doing this one today. Let's stand. Hey, I have a baby dedication. Today? Yeah after worship.
Your faithfulness. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer and thank Him for His faithfulness. You're here today because God's been faithful your entire life. Even when you weren't following Him, He was watching out for you. Did you know that? That's who He is. That's our God. He's faithful, and He's good, 
and he's kind, and he's gracious, and he's true. He never lies. He keeps us on path. If we will just listen, he'll lead us in the right direction. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place today, for the opportunity to just stop and listen and worship and be called in, be called apart. We get so caught up in the affairs of this life and the concerns that seem to swallow us whole sometimes. And we lose sight of your right hand reaching down to us to lift us up. We lose sight of your strength and your hope and your power. We lose sight of your face and we lose sight of those eyes that glisten with a genuine love and concern and a passion for us. So today we stop and we pause and we listen again and we reach up again and we look up again to the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the lover of our souls, the one who has redeemed us from ancient days to today and well into the future and beyond time itself. You are our Redeemer. We give you all the praise for all that you've done because we've seen your hand, for all that you're doing because we see your hand, for all that you're about to do because you've never failed us yet. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Today I have the great privilege of, one, dismissing the children to their classes, right? Fifth and sixth grade, too. So head on downstairs, kids. Follow your teachers down. Have a great time. And behave yourselves. Today I have the great privilege of dedicating a baby to the Lord. It's one of my favorite things, right? So Cameron, will you bring your parents up here? <laughs> and your grandparents, would you come up too, please? I'm a firm believer because I believe the Bible teaches us this, that the family is the center of life. Hasn't it been for you? The family you grew up in, the family you raised, your parents, your grandparents all played a key role in your lives, in fact, the greatest role of your life. Whether good or bad or indifferent, they played that role. And children are a heritage, they're a gift from God. And the promise of tomorrow. You don't have to be afraid of me and stand in. <laughs> and God, in His wisdom, and this is amazing to me, He entrusts parents with a life, a brand new life, and an eternal soul. And it's an amazing thing to me. It still dumbfounds me at times, <laughs> but it's God's goodness. So. This, this is the part I hate. I always get upstaged. <laughs> hey, you love all this attention, don't you? A child's nearest example of how to live and how to serve and how to be who they need to be as people and as Christians comes from their parents. And we're all living examples of that. Jesus said, bring the children to me and do not get in their way. 
I love that translation. Do not get in their way. Spread wide the gates. Make room. The children are coming to the Lord. Justin and Kayla. As Cameron's parents, will you promise before God and these witnesses to give yourself to the care of this baby? Will you promise to nurture his mind, his body, and his spirit? Will you promise to give him the best opportunities that you are able to become the man he is destined to be? Will you promise to raise him in such a way as to give him every opportunity to come to know the Lord as his personal Lord and Savior? Will you promise to do all that you are able to provide a loving marriage for, for him so that he will, he will have a secure home that is filled with faith, hope, and love? If so, say, I will. Congregation, we play a role as well, don't we? I'm so grateful for the church I grew up in because they helped raise me. And so it's our responsibility as well. So I'm going to ask you some questions. As a church, we provide support for the entire family. It's our privilege to stand by the side of parents, grandparents, and their responsibilities. As a church family, Will you promise before God to provide a place of worship for Cameron so that he will know the wonder of God's love for him? Will you promise to lead him toward a personal relationship with God so that he will know the joy of loving Christ? Will you promise to support his family by giving of your time, talent, and treasures to the work of Bridgepoint Church so that they will know that there is a church that they can call their home? And will you promise to keep his family in your prayers so that their names will be continually heard by God, so that he will always be reminded of their need for his presence and for his involvement in their lives. If so, will you say, we will? We will. Cameron. Come here, you little booger. <laughs> Hi, big boy. Can I hold you just a second? Because I want to pray for you. Look at those blue eyes. Is he gorgeous? Would you stand with me, congregation? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing gift of life. It's a little overwhelming every time a child is born. It is the most amazing thing on earth that you've blessed us with a new life. So I pray for this family. I pray for Justin and Kayla, for your strength, for your courage, for your peace at all times that you will bless them and use them for your glory to make sure Cameron knows you personally and walks with you daily. Lord, I pray for this child in the name of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, that your hand will rest heavily on him, that your spirit will fill him and empower him, that he will know you intimately and personally, and that will be his sole desire, above all else, to seek the Lord. Use him for your glory. You created him for a purpose. Help him rise to that with your strength, with your anointing, with your joy, with your peace, with your hope, with your love. We all ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you, little guy. You can go back to your mom. He's done with me. <laughs> bless your grandparents as well. Isn't it awesome? It is. It is. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, you may be seated. 
Just a reminder before we do one more song and I get to come up and preach. Are you ready for that? I had a week off. I'm tanned and rested. So, so get ready. We're going to worship the Lord one more time. Let's open our hearts, our minds, our spirits. Let's receive God's word together and let's bless him. That little Cameron, he's so cute. Go ahead and stand with us.
Amen. Please be seated. Adam, I didn't know you could sing. It wasn't shocking, but it was surprising, wasn't it? Oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good, yeah. Should we put the flowers right in front? No, yeah. Yeah, put the flowers right. That big honking thing. Happy birthday, young man. It's Troy's birthday, and I was warned not to forget. If you didn't get communion on your way in, these are our communion cups that we use now, and they're on the back tables back there. I'll be serving communion at the end of this message, so uh, we didn't get to do it last week because I wasn't here. But um, make sure you get one. If you, if you need, just go out and get it, okay? Nobody, nobody's going to stop you. I started a series, again, I didn't know it was a series until I got into it. Um, sometimes as I dig deeper, I just keep thinking, you know, I need to mention this, I need to go here. And this one is rebuilding. We're rebuilding too. So Rise Up and Build is taken from the book of Nehemiah, and I'll be sharing a lot of other scriptures today as well. But this one I've titled, Consider the Cost. Consider the Cost of Rebuilding. Because it does us something, you know. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, and it says this. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I want to talk today, first of all, about mourning and what it is. And how sometimes we as Christians, we skip over this process because it doesn't sound very, you know, Christian victory, risen from the dead, I'm out of the grave, I don't have to fight these fights anymore. Mourning is a natural process for a human to be healthy. Emotionally and spiritually, you need to go through mourning. So I took from this list of um, mourning, there are seven stages of mourning. There used to be five, but it, they expanded them. I don't know why, but I like the expansion. And the ones that are expanded, I've tagged with a star. Shock. Something terrible happens, you're shocked. This week we found out a friend of ours, who used to babysit our kids all the time. When we were in youth ministry, Jenny and I were constant. It was nonstop. And we had two little kids at that time, and we had this family in our church that watched our kids all of the time. And they'd stay over at their house, and they'd feed them, and they'd take them out, and they would, we'd come back to get them, and they didn't want to come home. Yeah. So they treated them better than we did, evidently. And we found out that the, the lady who, was, who used to watch our children was hit by a car this week and passed away. It was shocking, shocking. So we are mourning, right? A friend of ours, someone we love dearly. A shocking thing. So you go through this denial, that didn't really happen, that can't happen. Why would that happen? Why would God do such a thing? You start getting angry, angry at God and the situation that you're facing, and you don't know how to deal with your emotions, and that emotion that comes to the surface most often for all of us, by the way, when we don't know how to react as we get angry. It's part of the process, and it's an important part, too. 
Then we bargain, we bargain with life, we bargain with God, we bargain with everybody around us. There's got to be a solution to this. Surely this did not really happen and surely we can just gloss over this. We start bargaining. Then depression sets in because reality sets in. And you realize there's really not much you can do to change that situation. So you go through this kind of funk, right? Then you start testing. Testing the people around you, testing yourself, testing God, testing his word, testing whether everything you've spent and everything you've put your life into was worth it all in the beginning. And then you acceptance. Okay, this is reality. How do we move forward? Now, I bring this all up because the last couple of years we've suffered loss as a church. Our attendance is down by almost half. I don't know if you realize that, but look around you. We had two services for a reason, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We needed to expand. We needed to make more room for more people because we were growing, and we're not growing. We're going the wrong direction. Shocking. Anger. Frustration. I get it. It's part of the process. Our finances are showing signs of strain, and I've been standing up for for the last two years saying, Thank you all for being so faithful and giving, and I want to say that again. It's amazing how well we've come through all of this because of your faithfulness. But we're showing some signs of strain. We're showing some signs of decrease in giving. And of course, when your numbers go down, your numbers go down, attendance and finance as well. We lost two of our staff members. Terrible. Frustrating. You have no idea what goes on behind the scenes in my office and in my prayer room when I struggle with those, so it's been a tough year. Young families with children are not returning. I don't know why, I don't understand. Maybe they just got out of the habit of coming to church, but we've lost, and it's painful. Our workers have grown weary. That's an understatement. Many of them are just exhausted. Because we worked hard to stay alive and to stay afloat and to keep things going. We had to make massive changes and multiple changes constantly. It was a struggle. And so we're tired. And there's division in the ranks. We talk about what we should have done, what we could have done, what we hadn't done, what we should have said, what we shouldn't have said. We were in the Kobayashi Maru scenario. There was a no-win situation. We just did our best. And we thank you for your patience and for your faithfulness. Don't turn on each other. Just don't. It never works. It never helps. And then there are the plus signs. All the other things going on in our lives. We've all lost friends and family through all of this. We've all lost people that are important to us. Some people have lost income. Some people have lost prestige and position. Everybody's lost something. And the frustration of things continues. Have you noticed? I went in the store the other day, looked for something that's always been there and it wasn't there. And I was angry about that, frustrated. <laughs> right? Where is it? I went to three different stores, still couldn't find it. And that made me angrier and more frustrated. <laughs> All of those things are just eating at us, wearing on us. And we're tired. So I gave you all that depressing news (laughs) to help you, to help you. Notice what Nehemiah did. 
he stopped, he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. Let me give you some advice. Don't skip ahead. Mourning's important stage of your life. Recognize your loss. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't, you don't have to always put on a happy face. If you're grumpy, be a little grumpy. I know I am. Acceptance is the key. Realize that we've all lost. And that it's been a painful couple of years, and it's hurt us. It's hurt us as a church. It's hurt us as families. It's hurt us as business people. Everybody's struggled through this. And we will get through, but we've got to go through this too. Sorrow is needed. Don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to be broken. If you're broken, that's when the light can really shine through, by the way. Shines through the cracks. Shines, shines through those broken pieces of your life. Consider carefully where you've gone, what you've been through, what it's been like. Make notes. Keep a journal. Pray over those things. Turn them over to the Lord and struggle through them with his help. Mourning, fasting, and prayer. He mourned, he fasted, he prayed. This is a life-giving combination. These three things go together always. If you're just going to mourn, you're going to be miserable. But if you're going to mourn and fast and pray, you're going to find life because you're going to find the Lord. It's a life-giving combination. So stay in God's Word. Because God's Word keeps us moving forward. It helps us focus on where we're going, not where we've been. It helps us break free from that staying stuck in the rut of this is life now, I guess this is it. This is my life. No, it's not your life. God has a plan, and He's going to take you forward. Believe it. Nehemiah 2.17 says this, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And I'm going to get to our church and talk some more about that in just a minute, but let me focus on a couple of things first. Number one, focus on the lost. I've had a hard time getting this through to a lot of people that the lost are the lost are the lost, and that they don't know that they're lost. That what is sin and retribution, or being a reprobate, or being totally out of God's will and God's purpose, and I, I get it, they're lost. Embrace them in their lostness, because that's what Jesus did. Did you catch that? That's what Jesus did. They're dazed and confused. I think there was a movie by that name, right? I never have seen that movie, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> They're living in chains of oppression. You know, living under the weight of sin is oppression. Living your life thinking you got it all together when you're going totally in the wrong direction is oppression. It beats you up, it wears you down, it drags you down to the very pit of hell in the end. They're in chains of oppression. We sang that song, my chains are gone. 
Theirs aren't. The lost chains are still hanging around their necks and around their ankles, around their feet, around their arms. They're in bondage and they don't know it. They live in deception and deceit. Everything that they believe, the very foundation of their lives is off kilter. The foundation is in ruins. Their, mo- their motivations are corrupted. In other words, without a strong foundation, everything built up is also corrupt and destructive. And so the reality of their life is perverted by the lies that they've chosen to believe. We choose to believe the truth, the truth of God's word, the truth of God's love for us, the truth of God's mercy, the truth of God's power, the truth of God's justice. We choose to believe that. And we build our lives upon that foundation. Where would you be without that foundation? Remember, that's where the world is. Our vision of the found is this. One, we're committed to Christ, Christ alone. He's the focus of our lives. He's the love of our lives. He's the center of the universe. Everything revolves around our relationship with Jesus. Everything. We have a singleness of purpose, therefore. We're headed all in the same direction toward him. Toward his hand, toward his arms, towards his life, towards his love. We look into his eyes, we see his face. He makes us smile and he causes us to shine because we have a singleness of purpose. He gives us strength of heart. My faith is the only thing sustaining me Right? Not just on the bad days, but on the good days too. Not just when things are terrible, but when things are wonderful. My faith is my rock, my sustenance, my salvation. The place where I can run to and hide, the place where I am secure, is in my faith in Christ. In Christ alone. It gives me strength of heart. A sign of a Christian is sacrificial in giving. We continue to give. We've seen amazing sacrifices the last couple of years in our church. When the world was shutting down and only Walmart was open, (laughs) people were out of work for months. We didn't have church for months. Right? You remember that? We scrambled to get the word out and to be live on And we didn't get live for a while. We just recorded things and got them out on our webpage. But in that sacrificial giving, we opened up our food pantry even wider and we're delivering meals constantly, every day, delivering meals to people so they would have food to eat. Sacrificial. And it was a little dangerous, you know. We're going to people's homes that we don't know. At the time of the pandemic, when everybody said you could get sick by touching a surface and we all said what do we do what did we do we continued to go out we continued to serve we continued to bless sacrificial giving and we stand in the turmoil we we just do you know i i preached on this and i said it again a couple weeks ago look having done all you can do to stand stand therefore just stand 
The world can crumble, the world can fall, the world can bow down if they want to, but the church will stand for Jesus Christ and his faithfulness and his love for us. The truth will be true. The world, the world can do what they want to do, but the church will be true to God and his word. And be ready for the onslaught. Because when you stand when everybody else is kneeling, you're the odd one. You're the knucklehead. You're the, you're the guy who should be, you know, taken out. Take that guy out. He's just standing up when he shouldn't. You ever been at a concert and somebody stands up in front of you the whole stinking time? <laughs> be that guy. Be that guy in life. Stand up. Stand in the Lord. Stand in his faith. Stand in his courage. Stand in his strength. You can't do it on your own. You need him all the way. And here's the surprising thing for a lot of people. Even in the church, there are those who want to take out the guy standing. Did you know that? Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed, greatly incensed. <laughs> he ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates in the, oops, I went too fast, in the presence of his associates in the army of Syria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life? from those heaps of rubble burned as they are. Tobiah the Amorite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it could break it down. Their walls will fall. So let's look at what the scoffers said. They said, hey, you got nothing but rubble there. What are you doing? Even if you put those stones back up, they're still going to crumble down. Even a fox running over them will knock it over. Right? So what remains? The rubble? No. We have so much more, church. We have so much more. Take a look around you and realize what God has blessed us with. Are we going to rebuild? Without a doubt. Because we have more than rubble. We have more than just the remains. Look at our building, our worship center. Look at our multi-purpose room. You'd have been here yesterday, you'd have been impressed, to say the least. It's beautiful. It supplies us with a place to worship and to gather together and sing together in really comfy chairs, by the way. We have youth ministry that, by the way, is growing again. It's growing. Kids are coming back, and we're having a great time, and we're going to make sure none of them die on the rope course but I'm going to shoot them with paintballs <laughs> till they cry for mercy. So get ready, kids. Our children's ministry is doing great. Our leadership is doing an amazing job. Meeting every week, the teachers are totally dedicated and committed. Last week, we had more help down there than we had kids. That's a great problem. Now all we need to do is get the kids. Look around at the people you're sitting next to. It's amazing, isn't it? Enjoy them. They're God's gift to you. 
He's blessed us with amazing people who love the Lord and want to serve Him and call Bridgepoint Church their home. Our boards and our committees are functioning very well, by the way. Christian education is going on. Our nursery is open. You can bring your baby and drop them off, or you can take them to the mother's nursing nursery, and which is over in the corner, and you can sit there and watch the service on the TV and take care of your child by yourself if you want. It's nice. Our finances are stable. They're not where we want them to be, but they're stable. Worship is strong, right? I love the music here. I go to other places. I listen to other music. I watch it on TV, and I think, I like ours better. Every time. Most importantly, we love God. We love the Lord. Let's keep doing that, okay? We love others. Not just the people in our church, but the people outside of our church. And we're trying to reach them for Christ's sake and for their own, to rescue them. And we do desire to serve. And we're a little tired sometimes, but we still get up and go. But here's what progress requires. It requires time, effort, and resources. And in a word, it requires courage. That we're going to go forward we're going to do what God called us to do here. We may be in a time of mourning at times. We may be frustrated. We may be a little angry even. We may, we may look for people to blame, and that's what most people do, you know. We look for somebody to blame. We try to pass the buck. We try not to take any responsibility ourselves. But in the end, it requires that we stand up and be strong and courageous. Now, there was inward opposition to Nehemiah as well. Look at Nehemiah 5.1. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Can you imagine that? Nehemiah gathered all these people together and started to rebuild Jerusalem. And the people of Jerusalem grumbled and complained. That never happens in our church. <laughs> right? We always have a positive attitude. We never complain about anything. But it's just part of the nature of humanity. So stop being so stinking human. Try to be a little more divine, will you? Have patience. Be strong and courageous. We are not lost or hopeless. We are strong and we are united. You do not grieve or mourn like the rest of mankind who have no hope who have no hope. So we grieve, we mourn, but we get up. Look what Nehemiah did. He mourned, he fasted, he prayed, and then he got up and did something about it. That's how it works. He looked at the situation, the problem that was facing Jerusalem, and he severely suffered personally for that. He mourned. And he sought the Lord. And then he did something really dangerous, by the way, he got up and he went into the king's chamber, into the king's presence, and he asked for a favor. Now, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. I love this part of the story because you know what the cupbearer of the king's job was? To taste whatever the, he was bringing to the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned. If it was poisoned, Nehemiah died, but the king lived. If he didn't taste it and the, and the king died, Nehemiah died. 
He had a no-win job. He was just, this is my job. I don't know what his health benefits were, but probably not too good. And he went into the king, and the king kind of looked at him and, said, and, and looked at him, and he said, why are you so sad? Why are you downcast? And Nehemiah told him. And the Bible clearly describes that Nehemiah was terrified. Terrified. Because the king could have said, I'm done with you. With a word, Nehemiah would have been killed for bringing the king down, making him unhappy. Think about it. But we don't mourn as those who have no hope. We put our hope in God. And Nehemiah got up and did something. And he asked for favors. I love this story because if you've read the book, he not only asked for a story, he says, oh, by the way, one more thing. Twice. He's like Columbo. Oh, uh, one more thing. Oh, uh, I forgot to ask. By the way, two more things. And the king was gracious because God was on Nehemiah's side. Psalm 27, 14 says this, Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Twice. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. I love this verse. I've meditated on it many, many times and asked God, help me understand that today, wait for the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Tomorrow, wait on the Lord. Don't hurry through the process. Don't try to come up with all kinds of answers. Unless you've fasted, mourned, and prayed, wait on the Lord because he has an answer. And finally, be still and know. Jenny and I just came back from silent prayer retreat, and I'm reminded of that verse. Every time I come back from that retreat, it took me a day and a half to just unwind. That's never happened before. Normally, I'm the first night I'm ready. I go take a nap, and I'm ready to go. I could not focus because the world was raging, and the problems of church and life were bearing down. And it took me a day and a half to finally focus in on prayer and rest. Be still and know. It's going to take some time. Take the time to be still and know. You can't hear God's voice if you're always talking, you know. You can't hear God's voice over the radio and the TV and the football games. You can't. Because God speaks in that still small voice and he whispers in your ear and he gives you direction. And he brings you hope. And if your life is so busy that you never stop and be still and tune out to tune in, you're not going to hear the voice of the Lord. So tune out to tune in. And finally, be strong and take heart. Take heart. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Be strong and courageous. And finally, Nehemiah 2 says, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. We're rebuilding, church. You ready? Are you ready? It's going to take time. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take work. But we're going to rebuild. 
and with God's help, we'll build it back better than it's ever been before. If we don't wait on the Lord, it won't be. So wait on the Lord. Listen carefully to his voice. Be patient. Be strong. Be courageous. Stand up while everybody else sits down if you have to, but stand. And be faithful to what God's called us to. He's building his church. We're a small, small part of that church. Let's be an important part. He planted us here for a reason. Let's be faithful to that calling. If he came to seek and to save that which is lost, then let's be about the Lord's business because that's his business. We need to fill our children's rooms full of kids. We're not even, we we just remodeled it and it's ready to be filled. You know what I'd love to say? In a month or two years or six years from now, we need to build more rooms. Amen? We've outgrown our sanctuary twice, three times. Let's be about the Lord's business. Not so that we can brag, but so that he can brag on us that we were faithful to our calling and he has responded with his presence and his power and his goodness and his grace. And the lost have been found and their chains have been broken and the tomb is empty of their lives set free in Christ and Christ alone. It's our calling. It's our high calling. Let's be about the Lord's business. With that in mind, Let's take our communion cups together. Take out the bread first. It is all because of what Christ did for us that we're here today. We've walked through a lot. But we're walking in newness of life. Newness. What we have in Christ is different. Completely different. At the very core of its DNA is the life Christ has given us. It's resurrection life. And here's the secret to resurrection life. You never experience it until you die first. So we lay our lives down as Christ laid his down for us. And we do it gladly because the reward is resurrection life. If I live unto myself, I will die unto myself. If I live unto Christ, I will be resurrected with Christ and live with him for eternity and glory. And there isn't anything better that I can offer you than that. Father, we thank you for this bread that we hold in our hands and what it represents to us. The sacrifice of your son who gave his life for us. We thank you that on your back you bore those stripes, Lord Jesus, that by your stripes we are healed. That you took those nails in your hands and in your feet and the crown of thorns on your head. Every aspect of your being was tortured so that we could live free, whole, in resurrection life. We remember your sacrifice and we give you thanks. 
because it's really all we have to offer. Our gratitude in a life sacrificing for you as you gave your life for us. We give you all the thanks and all the praise. Let's partake of the bread together. Well, if you'll turn the cup over and open the other side. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this, this cup. It represents your blood that was shed for us the blood that still washes away all of our sin. We stand before you redeemed. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, who bore the sins of the world and bore ours, each of ours. That you've taken this sin from us and removed it forever. That we live in this life free to live. The chains are broken. The sin is gone. And we stand here today as the redeemed, sons and daughters of the Most High God. And there's no way we can thank you enough, but we remember the price that you paid. And we're so grateful that you are our Redeemer. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let's partake of the cup together. And now, Father, as we prepare to leave this place, we remember again that we are called to stand out. Help us for your glory and for the world's sake that people will see Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name, amen. asking myself as Pastor John was talking as we wait for God's plan to unfold in our church and in our own personal lives. Are we waiting in anxious anticipation or are we waiting in eager anticipation? And I hope it's the second one because um, God cannot and will not be stopped. Please stand with us.
see you in seven days. Impossible <laughs> 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 <laughs>